Democrats should always be flexible in their thinking, even about democracy itself. But nations which have experienced long years of authoritarian rule before eventually developing democracy tend to be rigid about democratic forms. So it was last Sunday in the Japanese capital Tokyo. A special election for the post of governor was due to be held, consequent upon the resignation of the previous governor Naoki Inoue. He had admitted to accepting a half million dollar loan from a hospital group. The founder of which was being investigated for electoral malpractice, but if ever there was a time for postponing a democratic election, last Sunday was it. On Saturday, Tokyo had been hit by the worst blizzard in forty-five years, with the snow causing eleven deaths and one thousand two hundred injuries. Most local rail lines were halted. Transport to and from Narita International Airport was dislocated for twenty-four hours. Many flights from Haneda Airport were cancelled. Even some famed Shinkansen high-speed rail expresses did not run on time. The snow only started to melt late on Sunday. Obviously, voter turnout was going to be badly affected, and it was. In Japan, voter turnout in local and regional elections is seldom very high compared to turnouts in national elections for the Diet. On the four occasions that former Tokyo Governor Shintaro Ishihara was elected to that office, he usually gained a turnout of between fifty and sixty percent, with the best performance being fifty-seven point eight percent in both nineteen ninety-nine and two thousand and eleven. But when Ishihara suddenly resigned a little before the two thousand and twelve general election, his long-time deputy Naoko Inoue broke a record which had stood since nineteen seventy-one. He secured a majority of four point three million amidst a turnout of sixty-two point six percent, or just under six million votes. Obviously, the hint of corruption, which led a year later to Inoue's resignation, must have come as a bitter disappointment to Tokyo voters. The massive blizzard, plus this disillusion, resulted last Sunday in a substantial decline of seventeen percent in voter turnout to forty-six percent, or four point nine million voters. As far as I can see, no Japanese voice was raised to suggest that the special election should be postponed because of the appalling weather. One would have thought that this could have been done, since it was a special election due to a governor's resignation, rather than one of Tokyo's regular once every four years election for governor. But this failure to be flexible was additionally disappointing, since the election was cut short just as it was showing signs of becoming something of a referendum on the future of nuclear power in Japan. This possibility was due to two main factors. Two ex-prime ministers of Japan and the Fukushima catastrophe. As I reported in these reflections at the beginning of last November, time and time again, in the two and a half years since the earthquake and tsunami catastrophe in and around Fukushima, the Tokyo Electric Power Company (TEPCO) has seemed to lack the knowledge. The expertise, the drive, and above all, the urgency to deal with the aftermath of that still radioactive calamity. Pictures of small towns, empty and deserted, left just as they were when their inhabitants were suddenly forced to evacuate, tell a grim, ongoing story.
Last year, freed from political office after achieving the third longest prime ministership in Japan's post-war history, Junichiro Koizumi was beginning a campaign to make sure that his successors do not make the same crucial mistake as he did. In many ways, Junichiro Koizumi has been and remains unique. After 1,979 days in office, and after leading the Liberal Democratic Party to a landslide victory in 2005, he did not cling on to power as many would have done. Ever the maverick, he still retired just as he promised. He did not machinate within the LDP's factional politics, as some ex-premiers have done. He actually enjoyed his retirement. But last year, Koizumi came out of retirement in no uncertain terms. He has admitted that he was wrong to push the provision of nuclear power as clean and cheap during his premiership, since, as the Fukushima catastrophe demonstrates very clearly, it is never clean and can be prohibitively expensive, especially when it has to be cleared up. Unique among Japanese leaders past and present, Koizumi travelled abroad to learn more about the undying dangers posed by nuclear power and why Germany, for example, decided to abandon nuclear power altogether. He came to advocate that Japan adopt the zero option of no more nuclear power stations. As he put it in a speech last September, quote, I often hear comments that Japan cannot grow without any nuclear power plants or that calling for zero nuclear power plants is irresponsible. However, I studied what experts have said until now about the nuclear energy being safe, clean and inexpensive, and I harbour doubts on all scores. I wonder if human beings can really control nuclear energy. I have now become an advocate, calling for zero nuclear plants and urge politicians to make that decision as quickly as possible, unquote. This immediately put Koizumi at odds with the man he had promoted to succeed him in 2006 as Prime Minister, the current Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, who carefully avoided discussing nuclear power during the 2012 general election, which brought him back to power. However, Abe made no secret of his preference for at least restarting some of the 50 Japanese nuclear reactors that have been lying idle since they were closed down in the wake of the Fukushima catastrophe in 2011. Abe has been reported as saying that Koizumi's views on abandoning nuclear power are irresponsible. It is assumed that he is anxious to restart at least some of the 50 reactors in order to lessen the financial strain in the economy brought about by the cost of Japan of having to spend on additional imports of gas and oil for its power supply following the post-2011 nuclear reactor closures. Predictably, Abe approved when the first Tokyo branch of the Liberal Democratic Party put forward conservative former health minister Yoichi Mazuzoi as the LDP candidate for Tokyo governor, since Mazuzoi was thought to favour continued development of nuclear power. Meanwhile, another ex-premier who has been politically silent for the best part of two decades emerged out of the blue as a candidate for the Democratic Party of Japan, the DPJ, as it sought to make a comeback in Tokyo in the governor's election. 
He was the former leader of the small Japan New Party, Morihiro Hosokawa, who became Prime Minister in August 1993 after eight opposition parties surprisingly defeated the LDP in a general election for the first time since 1955, and then chose Morihiro Hosokawa to lead them. A hint of never proven corruption forced Hosokawa to resign in April 1994. After that, he joined and led several small political parties, one of which was eventually merged with the Democratic Party of Japan, before he retired from politics altogether. Virtually nothing was heard of him for nearly 20 years. When an intrepid Financial Times reporter tracked Hosokawa down in 2011, he was only able to write a lengthy piece about Hosokawa's all consuming passion, the traditional ways of Japanese pottery. So many observers were completely surprised when Hosokawa emerged in Tokyo late in 2013 to announce that he would stand for governor on an anti nuclear platform, provided His candidacy was endorsed by Junichiro Koizumi. Sure enough, when Hosokawa announced his candidacy on January the 24th, Koizumi was by his side and stayed there through the brief 14 day election campaign. To many, their partnership was a complete surprise, but it should not have been. They had worked together across party lines on previous occasions. Interestingly, according to Wikipedia, Hosokawa tacitly served as Koizumi's personal envoy to China at times of strained Sino Japanese relations during Koizumi's premiership. The two PMs were planning an anti nuclear lobbying campaign late last year when Inose suddenly resigned and the Tokyo governorship election loomed as a potential challenge. Right from the start, Hosokawa stressed that this was a referendum on the future of nuclear power in Japan. Many observers assumed that an upset victory by Hosokawa was possible, but it did not materialize. It is interesting to consider why it didn't. First and last, the hefty blizzard on February the 8th obviously diminished the number of voters actually going to vote on the following day. As in any democracy, a vote for change required a high turnout. Instead, a low turnout assured a conservative result. Hosokawa and Koizumi gambled that voters would be overwhelmingly concerned with the Fukushima aftermath. But another issue was also to the fore in Tokyo. The 2020 Olympic Games and the prestige that would come from running them well. In winning the Games, Tokyo spokesmen had stressed that their city was not in any danger from the Fukushima catastrophe. More important, it went against Hosokawa that he had reportedly opposed the 2020 award, saying that the money spent on the Tokyo Games would be better spent repairing the damage to Fukushima. This only reminded Tokyoites that Hosokawa did not really belong to their city, a necessary quality for any governor. The Democratic Party of Japan has not regained the strength it had attained when it won the 2009 general election. It could only give Hosokawa limited support. The election provided more evidence that the LDP political machine is, under Shinzo Abe, both dominant and running in high gear. Almost certainly it was the LDP machine, 
which made sure that voters were reminded that Hosokawa resigned the premiership in 1994 because he allegedly accepted a hundred million yen loan from a trucking company accused of bribery and links to organized crime. An offence similar to that which brought about the recent downfall of Tokyo's governor Inose. The Japanese Communist Party has some residual strength, but it's limited in Tokyo. Its candidate, Kenji Utsu no Miya, won 969,000 votes in the 2012 governor election and won 963,000 votes this time. Utsu no Miya split the anti nuclear power vote with Hosokawa, who came in third with 960,000 votes. Thus, Koichi Mazuzoi became Tokyo's governor elect with 2.1 million votes, or a shade under 43% of the total vote. So many headlines around the world hailed an assumed hardline pro nuclear victory for Abe and the LDP. The question remained, however, was it that simple? A careful reading of how the news agencies reported Mazuzoi's victory comments. Suggested otherwise. Quote, the Fukushima disaster has left me without words, but reducing our dependence on nuclear power needs to be done gradually. Unquote. Quote, Mazozoe pitched himself as anti nuclear, but would not back the immediate elimination of atomic energy. Unquote. Quote, Mazuzoi proposed that Japan gradually reduce its dependence on nuclear power and promised to greatly increase the ratio of electricity consumed in Tokyo that is derived from renewable sources such as solar and wind farms, currently just 6%. Unquote. So, in the time honored phrase, Mazuzoi had caught the opposition bathing and walked away with their clothes. He had defeated his opponents by clearly adopting some of their anti nuclear policies. For Prime Minister Abe and his allegedly hardline LDP colleagues, the center of the anti nuclear political spectrum was no longer where they thought it should be. <laughs> Small wonder that Junichiro Koizumi issued a statement in ostensible defeat Quote, I will continue to make efforts to create a nuclear free Japan.、Unquote.